Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished uh, entrepreneur, come professional from the world of supply chains, Mr. Soumya Chowdhury. Soumya, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. Uh, Soumya is the co-founder and director of Visi Logics LLP. He is a professor of supply chain at IFIM Business School. So, uh, Soumya, while we'll talk predominantly today about supply chains, uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about Visi Logics and uh, what uh, was the motivation to start the venture. So, Visi uh, Logics actually is a supply chain planning and optimization SaaS um, mm-hmm. uh, play. Of course, we call it SaaS nowadays, but essentially it was meant to solve the logistics uh, problem in India because, mm-hmm. as we know, we are um, you know a very inefficient economy in terms of logistics and warehousing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had had a stint as an entrepreneur within the Sona Group uh, in the mid two thousands, mm-hmm. where I had actually created a you know business which was exporting auto components from India into Europe. Right, and that basically got me very interested in this area of supply chain. Hmm. So while I worked for IBM for around ten years uh, and understood the technology side of uh, things, mm-hmm. uh, what I wanted to do was combine that passion for supply chain and uh, you know some technology grounding and hmm. sales and business development experience that I had throughout my life mm-hmm. to be able to see if we could provide solutions to uh, various type of players in the Indian economy. So our focus okay. was India. Mm-hmm. Our focus was uh, manufacturers and maybe distributors mm-hmm. and uh, third-party logistics players. Okay. So we are trying to provide a solution for retail e-commerce and uh, FMCG related to optimization in their supply chain. Fascinating. And uh, as an entrepreneur, I'd love to get your perspective on some of your challenges and learnings as you were scaling up. So what uh, I think... Uh, what I realized is that the linear way of thinking as a professional, right? Uh, professionals, you're really bothered about processes and rules and, you know, uh, trying to do things as per, you know, uh, the past tradition mm-hmm. uh, was not really helping in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, integrity was very important mm-hmm. and you could not, you know, basically do things which were not, you know, uh, the correct thing to do. But uh, what I found was that the design thinking, out-of-box thinking, creative solutions, mm-hmm. those kind of things really came from, I guess, uh, personality mm-hmm. and also probably stage of life. And um, if you have spent 20 years in the corporate sector, you know, I still you have done that as well, mm-hmm. and then been a successful entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, uh, it sometimes becomes very difficult because you are in that you know, linear mode of thinking, as mm-hmm. I would say. So if I were to kind of really rethink and plan for what would be the ideal stage to be an entrepreneur, I would say five years post, you know, experience in a maybe reasonably large sized firm Mm -hmm. where you don't lose your creativity. And on the other hand, you are able to take a lot of risk. Okay. Very interesting. So, uh, Soumya, given your incredible depth of knowledge of supply chains, let's talk supply chain. Um, over the first, tell me over the years, how have you seen supply chain evolving? And then I'll come to how is technology 
changing supply chains? Sure. So I think one of the challenges we set out to solve was that the supply chain in India was exactly the way it was 20 years ago. Correct. You know, so I think um, while there are a lot of these um, tools and techniques which have come about, mm -hmm. uh, people have not adopted it, you know, in its entirety. Mm -hmm. So there has been piecemeal implementations of ERP. There's some amount of extra net, you know, uh, common demand planning with vendors and so on. But these are all slightly half-baked activities. Mm -hmm. So the issue was, I mean, we all understand that, you know, um, there is things where end-to-end -end supply chains have to be coordinated to prevent mm -hmm. pull-up effects and, you know, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Joint planning. Mm -hmm. So uh, so one was the intent, which obviously I felt that, uh, you know, people were slightly, uh, uh, you know, uh, more protective with their own data. Mm -hmm. And they did not want to believe that the vendor is part of their own ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You know, it was always us versus them. Mm -hmm. So that was a mindset which we could not solve. The second was that how do you integrate the use of transactional data? Mm -hmm. So ERP today is really used for financial reporting. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were trying to create something which was uh, advanced analytics mm -hmm. on top of ERP. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so uh, we were not actually uh, able to educate the market that look, ERP is separate and advanced planning and optimization is separate. Correct. Because they saw APO as a module of SAP mm. or Oracle's equivalent. Mm. Uh, they most of them had not used optimizers uh, because you know it was too difficult to probably uh, customize, mm. and a lot of them had probably even not bought these advanced modules. Mm -hmm. So for us to separate ourselves from the ERP layer was another challenge. Mm -hmm. So uh, and and then I think we have a lot of uh, sound bites around AI ML and use of you know uh, control towers and you know, um, dashboards, which are predictive and predicative mm. and so on. Mm. So you, you are not able to cut through the clutter to actually basically tell people that, okay, can we use the ERP data mm -hmm. and present you things which will actually, you know, uh, help you plan on a daily basis versus let's say planning for the month and then dividing it up by mm. you know, uh, 20 and that's your monthly plan. Correct. So, so that I think is something that uh, uh, companies are getting, uh, you know, the hang of. Of course, there are certain sectors which are more advanced. I would say FMCG being one mm -hmm. of them today, e-commerce. Uh, but uh, still, I, I would say supply chain, the way it works for, let's say, traditional manufacturing or, you know, some of the conventional sectors mm -hmm. is still the way it, exactly it was 20 years back. Mm -hmm. so this is what we said to change. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. And... Uh, you know, there's a lot of technology that's coming into supply chains now. You know, one, of course, is all your, uh, uh, you know, software-driven uh, technologies like your ERPs and whatever else. But there is also this whole aspect of AI, ML, uh, robotics is coming into warehouses, drones is coming into last mile. I'd love to get your perspective on how are all these going to impact supply chains in our country? So uh, I, like I said, I'm also a professor. So I actually teach smart warehousing and, mm -hmm. uh, and blockchain. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, blockchain in supply chain. Mm -hmm. uh, what you find is that uh, the adoption has started. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And you know, there were players like Ocado in UK who have fully automated warehouses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have solutions like uh, you know, Grey Orange Robotics, which is creating these uh, robots or cobots mm-hmm. on the shop floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you really look at uh, the uh, people who have been successful in using these technologies, I would uh, point out to two players. Mm-hmm. One is Amazon, because they acquired Kiva and now it's called, I think, Amazon Robotics or something. Mm-hmm. And they have three generations of robots, mm-hmm. which they are actually trying to increase their productivity. So I think it used to carry 450 kgs, now it carries 600 kgs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're able to uh, decide when to charge themselves. So it's a utilization of technology, not for technology's sake. Mm-hmm. Or to be in, you know, probably the cover page of Forbes, but it's for how is it synchronized with human labor mm. so that that synchronization is effective. Mm. And I think only two companies in my mind do that. One is Amazon and Kiva, mm. and the other is uh, Alibaba, and they have a, a you know a very similar robotics product. I, mm. I forget what it's called. Uh, there used to be a, uh, I think it's called Quicktron, right? Mm-hmm. Quicktron. So. Uh, exactly same model. So I think Alibaba literally, <laughs> I would say, imitates uh, Amazon, but both mm-hmm. are trying to solve the same problem. That is, mm-hmm. you know, how do I increase throughput in the work, uh, let's say the warehouse uh, mm-hmm. by three times mm-hmm. and uh, increase the, you know, slot of uh, uh, productivity by 50% and, and mm-hmm. both have been equally effective. So mm-hmm. I would say warehousing, some amount of technology has come in beyond the warehouse management systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and similarly, they have now integrated with transport management systems. So, you know, even trucks coming in and out, the cross docking and everything mm-hmm. is, is more automated than it used to be. But transport itself, or let's say, you know, use of platforms for um, scheduling, uh, let's say, truck deliveries, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the uh, first mile, mid mile, last mile, all these are sort of still, I would say, um, quite some distance to go from being fully automated. So you do have specific solutions in vehicle routing, right? So you have players like Locus and uh, Farai and others, Moglix, um, uh, Loginext, uh, you know, there are plenty of players in the space mm-hmm. who are doing vehicle routing for the last mile, which is mm-hmm. integrating Google Maps and they are ensuring that, you know, the trucks don't get held up mm-hmm. in the last mile delivery. But if you were to look at it as an integrated chain, mm-hmm. so one very interesting case study, if you would permit me, I'll just... Uh, yeah. so. So when I was speaking to this gentleman who's a very senior person in a third-party logistics company, mm-hmm. he wanted to minimize the number of touches. So mm-hmm. he said, look, if I'm able to transport from one end uh, a full truckload to you know whichever spoke ends, mm-hmm. uh, that's far more efficient than you know having an unloading through warehouse kind mm-hmm. of operation. Mm-hmm. And my point was that look, you know, one is that you cannot necessarily schedule trucks of the capacity you need. So you're mm-hmm. typically going less than truckload. Um, similarly, you have different size trucks and the coordination and mm-hmm. those kind of things become a challenge. Uh, the other is that, you know, um, if you don't consider warehouse cost as a full cost, that means, you know, you go through, uh, you know, stocking it in a shelf and mm-hmm. then again, uh, picking it and then, you know, outwarding it. Uh, but you were to just consider cross docking where you're shifting from a larger mode transport to a smaller mode transport. Mm-hmm. And even if there's an interim center of that, uh, it would still work out uh, cost effective versus, you know, one large truck going half empty 
mm-hmm. uh, to each point from a mother warehouse. Okay. So, so this is actually one interesting exercise we are in the midst of to try mm-hmm. and prove that one transport uh, to a cross docking point to a smaller transport end to end is cheaper okay. for SKU or per pallet. Mm-hmm. Either we, you know, uh, let's say uh, the way it was uh, loaded onto a pallet based on their uh, cost uh, apportionment formula. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. And you just mentioned that you also teach warehousing at, uh, you know, uh, IFIM business school. What would you say is, in your opinion, the warehouse of the future? So it completely depends on the uh, throughput. Mm-hmm. So for instance, um, we all know that warehouses to increase their uh, cost. So it's always a mix between, uh, you know, cost versus responsiveness, right? In right. the supply chain. Mm. So if you have high variability and you don't have very good visibility of SKUs, you try and keep it in the mother warehouse so that, you know, from that mother warehouse, you can transport mm. and there would be fulfillment centers or, you know, warehouses closer to the customer where you would keep the frequent moving parts mm-hmm. or frequent moving SKUs. So, Depending on the kind of volume and, uh, you know, uh, I guess the uh, throughput from the warehouses, the actual warehouse uh, uh, network mm-hmm. would differ very much between, you know, two, two companies who have different kind of flows. Mm-hmm. If you were to look at warehouse of the future, it would be, a, you know, similar to an Amazon warehouse, according to me, mm-hmm. where a lot of the material handling mm-hmm. and, you know, the bulk uh, you know, transport is happening on a conveyor and those could be automated and, you know, automatic mm-hmm. unloading from a truck. Uh, so those kind of, uh, uh, you know, mechanized uh, material handling systems. Mm-hmm. And you would have a mix of humans for picking and uh, robots for transporting the corresponding batch of, uh, you know, uh, let's say trays, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Amazon is doing. So what mm-hmm. they have done is they have done a time and motion study to figure out how is a human best utilized? Mm-hmm. So we always believe that it's a, you know, um, a model which, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would say manipulates humans. Mm-hmm. But, but I would say that time and motion study has given them what is the optimum mix of human versus robots. Mm-hmm. And it will always be a mix. It will not be fully automated. Mm-hmm. Today, actually, if you go to a cardo plant, you know that uh, they have this whole... Um, uh, you know, a, a rail system mm-hmm. where it's like, uh, you know, uh, X and Y axis, uh, where these, uh, you know, uh, robots keep moving and they have all kinds of 4G signaling mm-hmm. and like an air traffic control, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what is the ROI for something like that? You would have spent, you know, several million pounds in investment. Mm-hmm. You might find that the actual benefit of productivity vis-a-vis, let's say, human they may not warrant that kind of investment. Correct. A lot of companies, if you see Webvan and various uh, people who try to automate the last mile delivery, mm. found that they could not, you know, basically cover their capital mm. or investment. So, so I would say that, you know, you have to go in an experimenting mode, mm. invest the right quantity to see what works. Mm-hmm. And then it's always, you know, to kind of decide that mix of humans and robots, hmm. which will make you the most efficient operation because efficiency is, is central. Hmm. Fascinating. So, uh, you know, talking about the warehouse, talking about the supply chains, uh, 
when I look at the promises being made by some of these uh, food platforms, uh, e-commerce platforms, deliver within 10 minutes, deliver within 30 minutes, uh, what uh, is that doing to supply chains? So this is completely disrupting the supply chain. Mm. It's, you know, 10 or 19 minute delivery. And a lot of people actually have learned from the Dunzo model. Mm. And, um, and they are trying to convert themselves from e-grocery to, you know, I would say delivery of all goods. I mean, mm. you see Blink, right, which was growers. Uh, uh, and a uh, lot of these uh, companies are repositioning themselves because they see this as something they can control. Mm. End to end, you know, the delivery partners and... Uh, and probably, you know, technology plays a role mm. uh, where there's a challenge is, you know, where you have dark stores and the goods are not available. So whenever you have another partner mm. or you have something where you have, uh, you know, an additional leg which you cannot control, mm. then you cannot meet the SLAs. But when you are in control of the supply chain end to end, so I would believe that this is something that may work in metros mm. because there will be different SLAs for rural areas. Sure. But uh, I think the most important thing about this is that how do you actually anticipate demand? So mm. I think one of the things that this brings about was mm. like what Amazon talks about is that they have figured out whose pin codes or uh, what they call zip codes mm. are closer to the fulfillment centers where they can pre-plan what kind of inventory will go out, you know, right. what kind of books, what kind of... So that kind of... Uh, predictive analytics mm. or uh, I would say, you know, things where you are actually anticipating demand mm. is the one way that this will actually work effectively. Mm. But if you have to kind of wait for that order fulfillment and get the order and then you have to kind of satisfy it, mm. uh, I don't see too many zip codes or pin codes where this 19 minute SLA will really work. Correct. Correct. And, you know, uh, a follow-up question for you is, you know, my understanding of a supply chain is uh, in you know quality that's coming in, quality that's going out, uh, in time uh, delivery, management of inventory. Every time I have experimented with a ten-minute supply, the supply chain is delivered in ten minutes, but not even once has the quality been acceptable. So there is uh, somewhere uh, something is giving. I'd love to get your uh, views on that. So how I think you are also a veteran of the industry. So the OTIF is the, is the real measure, right? So on time in full. And I think when we say in full, it also means, you know, with the adequate quality. So one of the areas we have not ventured into very mm. frankly is where there's a quality check. Mm. And uh, for that, I mean, you know, things like aerospace parts or auto parts, because there is this uh, inherent quality which can, you know, uh, make the supply chain much slower because, mm. you know, the, all the parts don't come in which are meeting the quality standards. Mm. Uh, for groceries, I'm not sure what the quality benchmark would be, but I think it's like more, you know, understanding the customer's requirements. Like, so for instance, if Big Basket has this data where they find that, okay, you know, you prefer tomatoes which are, you know, uh, you know, uh, younger tomatoes, mm -hmm. if I could call it, mm -hmm. so which are, uh, uh, you know, harder kind of variety. Someone else might prefer more, uh, you know, I would say um, juice-filled tomatoes. Mm -hmm. So so your definition of quality may be different from the other person's. Correct. 
kind of things. So those are things which actually have to be factored in mm. as part of the feedback that some of these e-grocers get mm. to define what is quality for you. It's very difficult to define quality for you know household items, Absolutely. which are not packed. Mm. Well said. So I've got time for one more question, Somi, and I'm going to now ask you to uh, think globally. Um, in the last two or three years after the pandemic, world leaders have suddenly got supply chain in their uh, uh, vocabulary. So you suddenly have the president of America, the prime minister of India, the, the, the Chinese president, everyone's talking supply chain. Why has supply chain become so important for world leaders to address suddenly? Yes, so I think the disruptive effects, it's very uh, coincidental that um, you know, uh, supply chain was always for people who used to get uh, the wrong end of the stick if things didn't happen. Correct. Mm. But never any credit when things did work on time. Mm. And uh, I remember being part of uh, the procurement. I mean, we used to call it supply chain, but it was mm. essentially procurement. Purchase manager, I remember when I was growing up. Yeah, so, so that was the role I was actually playing in mm. Sona. Uh, mm. I would say the number two in that function. And what we had was, you know, your sales was 300 crores, but your uh, inputs was 160 crores. And procurement was responsible for, you know, almost all of it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, especially the direct materials. And um, so uh, coming back to this point of, uh, you know, supply chain has always been this next level function, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where people get beaten up when things don't get, don't work. But uh, today it's become a board issue because mm -hmm. I think the disruption potential of supply chain has been gauged. Hmm. And uh, today, uh, you know, CEOs are being gauged by their revenue, turnover, lost sales, various hmm. metrics hmm. where supply chain is directly linked. Hmm. So this has suddenly become a CEO issue, if not a board issue. Correct. Uh, and, and that has also become very um, difficult for outsiders to penetrate. Hmm. Because uh, earlier, um, you could take off a piece of the, let's say, uh, non-standard parts of supply chain planning. Mm -hmm. So the standard parts will be managed by the in-house team, but the mm -hmm. non-standard parts, like let's say capacity planning, network planning, those mm -hmm. kind of things, they would give it to a you know outside player like us mm -hmm. and say that, okay, you guys do something and then we will do the stress scenarios. Mm -hmm. But today, because it's controlled by the CEO, a lot of those functions have been taken in-house. And what is really outsourced is just you know some very small part of the operations, mm -hmm. which could be you know things like uh, you know, last mile delivery or something where, you know, it's a management between you and distributor where it's, it's non-strategic. It's not something where, you know, you're prone to penalties mm. because it's your distributor and so on and so forth. Mm. And a lot of the incoming supply chain is anyway managed by the vendor. So, Correct. so therefore, you know, you don't have any role to play as a manufacturer for that part of the supply chain. Mm. So, so I would say that directly overlooking that piece, uh, by the CEO has mm. made this a very critical function and uh, two interesting snippets. Mm -hmm. uh, I was actually talking about how the supply chain is broken for cold supply chain for uh, vaccines. Correct. Actually, I published a Forbes article on that. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, saying that, you know, there's no cold storage facility in the government, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the warehouses, uh, the food corporation of uh, India, you know, all those kind of things. So how do you transport vaccines which have to be kept in a temperature zone mm. to the tier two cities or, you know, this kind of thing. And very mm. soon, 
the government sought private sector uh, participation for you know uh, sharing warehouses mm. uh, for that cold chain so uh, similarly electronics was another thing where i felt that you know uh, the supply chain was broken because uh, indian companies were not backward integrated enough mm. to be able to use other equivalent chips uh you know because they completely dependent on chipsets from their vendors you know, whether samsung mm. or whatever mm. of the world mm. so is there a way like um, tesla has done that they have backward integrated so much that mm. they really are not uh you know uh, held at ransom by their chip vendors correct uh, so uh, so uh, and the government came up with this uh, policy saying that mm. we don't want only want to be in design automation mm-hmm. we also want to be manufacturing chips uh you know which are critical to let's say yeah. these industries absolutely so i think the government is also listening to the industry which i think is making uh, india one of the i would say you know fastest growing um uh, technology enabled economies uh, we've seen what has happened in npci and upi mm. payments mm. area where india mm. is definitely one Correct. of the leaders yeah and i think that's happening in other parts of the economy as well fantastic fantastic so me on that note uh, i want to say thank you so much for speaking to me thank you for talking to me uh, in depth about supply chains and the impact supply chains are making in industry in our country across the world and how technology is really working on making such large changes significant changes in supply chains uh, thank you again for speaking to me and good luck thank you thank you ashish thank you for having me Thank you for listening to the brand called You video cast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals you can also follow us on youtube facebook instagram and twitter just search for the brand called you